As we uh, bring our gifts to the Lord this morning, I want to direct our attention to the scriptures today. And so we're going to be in the book of uh, Galatians chapter 6 this morning. So as you make your way there, find your way there. Um, looking forward to our church picnic afterwards, uh, our chance to be able to fellowship uh, together. I'm looking forward to the softball game. Um, I, I told you that Vicki was playing this year. I think she's faking an injury this morning. And so she's uh, again saying that she's unable to play. Um, so we need to pray for my wife that whatever her ailments are, that the Lord would miraculously touch her this morning and heal her. Uh, so uh, maybe next year she'll, she'll join us in the game. And uh, so looking forward to our time together after church. Uh, today's uh, Memorial Day weekend. And today's, uh, this weekend is the day, weekend that we set aside to remember those who have uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms as Americans. And so um, in honor of those who have uh, given their lives uh, for our freedom, if you've served in the military, would you just stand so we could honor you and recognize you this morning? Those of you who have served. Yep, thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, grateful for each of you and, uh, and uh, your service uh, to, our, to our nation, right? And uh, as we think about uh, the men and women who have uh, paid that price uh, for our freedom, uh, we think of another one who has paid a far greater price, right? And that is our Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our sin to rescue us, to give us ultimate freedom. And so it is, we gather here today, we do so gathering here to worship and honor him today. And so let's, let's go to him in prayer this morning. And after we pray, kids, you guys will be dismissed to head next door with Mr. Hurst and the kids ministry team. And so let's pray together. Father, we bow before you this Lord's Day, uh, thanking you uh, for uh, the freedoms that we enjoy as uh, citizens of this great country. Thank you for the land that you have allowed us to live. Thank you for our forefathers who have gone before us and who sought to uh, build and establish this country, uh, this nation on biblical principles and, and uh, biblical virtues and uh, biblical ideals. Uh, thank you for that vision that you, you, you allowed this country to be built upon. Thank you for those who have given their lives to secure our freedom and ensure our freedom. And so uh, we ask for those who are even serving today that your grace would be upon them and that you would strengthen them, protect them, and give them success in all of their endeavors around this world. Most of all, we thank you for your son Jesus who gave his life willingly, carried our sins to the cross, set us free from the enslavement that we were in. And I ask, Father, if there's any here today that have yet to acknowledge you, know you, uh, confess you as our Lord and Savior, that today that they would. And so we pray and ask uh, that that would happen. As we open up your word, as already has been prayed, I ask, Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth that you have revealed to us. Give us a hunger and desire to hear from you. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. We need to hear from you today. Pray for our children and ask God that you would open up their hearts and their minds to you as well. Those that are serving in the children's ministry, I ask, Father, that you would um, strengthen them and enable them to, to uh, teach and relate to the kids well. And that you would be honored and glorified not only in this room, but next door as well. And so we pray and ask this all through the name of Jesus. Amen. Kids, you guys are dismissed. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. And if you have not found your way there, let me encourage you to, uh, to, uh, to make your way over to Galatians, Galatians chapter uh, 6.
Albert Schweitzer, uh, the German uh, theologian, professor, musician, and medical missionary, left a promising career about a hundred years ago in Germany uh, to go to Africa to serve as a medical missionary. Uh, his work there in North Africa became world-renowned. He was honored with the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. Uh, at the age of 85, at the age of 85, there were a group of people that were interested in the work that he was doing in North Africa, and so they came to, uh, to see what was happening there. And as they were walking up the mountain trail under the hot African sun, uh, as they were walking up, they, they came upon a, an elderly lady carrying a, a load of sticks, uh, sticks that would be used to light the, the kitchen stove uh, in the, the cooking in her, in her, in her home. And Albert Schweitzer left the group of people that were there to observe the work across the street, and he lifted the load off of this lady, and he carried the wood for her up the mountain. When they got there to the top of the mountain, the people that were with them were concerned, and they said, Dr. Schweitzer, why would you uh, carry that kind of load up the mountain underneath this kind of sun? Albert Schweitzer said, no one should have to carry their burdens alone. No one should have to carry their burdens alone. And Dr. Schweitzer understood this one another command that we're going to take a look at today, and that is bearing uh, one another's burdens. Today we're going to be looking at the fifth of uh, about eight or ten that we're going to be looking at this summer. My prayer for us this morning is that we as a church not just, this not just be an academic exercise where we learn a, uh, a truth of Scripture that we understand the meaning of what this Bible is saying to us in these verses here in Galatians chapter 6. But my prayer is that we would leave here differently, that we would leave living differently as we begin to learn how to and actually begin to bear one another's burdens. The one another commands that we've been considering this summer uh, that are given to us in the New Testament confront our tendency to uh, do it ourselves. They confront our tendency to, to uh, live on our own, to live a life of independence. I can make it on my own. The spirit of Christian friendship, the spirit of Christian community, as Pastor Drew spoke about earlier in the service, is that our lives and our community is to be marked in part by what we're going to see here today, bearing one another's burdens. And so if you have God's word with you, let's take a look. Let's read our text today. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. We're going to look at these verses, and I'll share with you uh, three reasons uh, why we are to bear one another's burdens. Beginning in verse 6, um, the word of God says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Each one should carry their own load. Three reasons why. We are to bear one another's burdens. Number one, we're to bear one another's burdens because of our common struggle with sin. 
because of our common struggle with sin. We see this beginning in verse 1 where the Apostle Paul, he opens up, he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, brothers and sisters, he's, he's writing to the family of God, he's writing to the community of believers, you and I, we're, we're united, not just because we're Americans, not just because we join a church and we gather together in this place on a Sunday morning, For we are united because of our common faith in Jesus Christ. We are the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, if someone, if someone among you is caught, is caught, is, is trapped, is uh, enslaved, is surprised by a sin, you think about that, that word caught, trapped, surprised, enslaved by a sin. Uh, sometimes we're caught, sometimes we're trapped uh, by a sin. Unexpectedly, we're surprised by it. We don't find ourselves setting out on a course to sin, but circumstances come our way, emotions come our way, temptation comes our way. We respond to different stimuli that's there. We react to people, circumstances, things that are in front of us, and all of a sudden, we're caught We've been trapped, we've been surprised, we've been overtaken by sin. And yet there are other times when we find ourselves caught in a sin, but this time the sin has become habitual, it becomes an addiction, it becomes a life-dominating sin. Either way, we've been caught, we've been trapped, we've become enslaved. And so notice what the scripture says. The Bible says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit. Other translations may say, you who are spiritual. And what we find here in verse 1 of chapter 6 is that the teaching of the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of Galatians is that you and I who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ we have received the Holy Spirit at that moment of belief, at the moment of salvation. God's Spirit Himself lives in us. We are now to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. This is the life of the Spirit in the Christian. You who are spiritual, you who live by the Spirit, you who are walking and keeping in step with the Spirit, Notice what it says, restore that person. Report, restore the person who has been caught, who has been trapped, who has been seized upon by sin. Now I want us to spend a few moments just thinking about this word restore. It's a very descriptive word. Notice, consider first of all with me what the Bible uh, does not say when it uses this word restore. It says, does not say, you who are spiritual, revel in the fact that your brother or sister has been caught in a sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that you and I are, are to be uh, rejoicing in the fact that our brother or sister has been caught in sin. There's no reason to be puffed up and gloat because someone else has been caught in a sin. That is not to be the characteristic of the community of Christ it, notice what it says. It does not say, you who are spiritual, repeat what your brother or sister has, been, uh, has done to be caught in a sin. 
I mean, Christians are not to be tail bearers. We're, not, we're to be burden bearers, not tail bearers. We're not to be gossiping and spreading what someone else has done. The New Testament teaches us that love covers over a multitude of sins. The Bible says, says, instead says that we are to restore the one who has been caught in a sin. That word restore was a medical term in ancient Greece. It was used to describe a, a, a physician setting a broken bone. Uh, the leg had been snapped. The bone had been broken. And in order for the bone to heal correctly, in order for the leg to be, uh, regain its use, that bone had to be set. That's the word that's used here for restore. Set a broken bone. Painful, but necessary. And you think of a, a brother or sister you and I in our lives when we've been caught in a sin there's a sense where there has been something broken in our lives when we're unable to go along and how we need the ministry of our brothers and sisters burden bearing restoring what is broken in our lives that word restore was also used in the New Testament for mending nets for mending nets in Mark's gospel when Jesus called Peter James and John and, and Andrew to follow him. The Bible says that they were mending their nets. They were overhauling. They were restoring their nets. They were returning their nets to a useful condition so that they would be both functional and efficient. And when we, as brothers and sisters, have been caught in a sin, when unable to serve and fulfill the purposes of God for our lives, and we need the ministry of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to help restore us. You say, well, how do we go about restoring our brother and sister who has been caught in a sin? Well, notice what it says. Restore that person gently. And we start there with gentleness. That word there for gentleness is the word that's translated a few verses earlier in Galatians chapter 5, where it's translated as meekness. It's, it's a strength that's under control. We, we don't excuse sin. We don't minimize it we don't gloss over it we don't ignore it pretend that it's not there that's not the ministry of restoration the ministry of restoration is to to be gently restoring that person we address the sin with the goal of restoring the sinner through gentleness we restore gently we restore humbly notice that last phrase of of verse 6 of verse 1 rather uh, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. We watch ourselves. There's no place for self-righteousness in the Christian life. Uh, our response to a brother or sister who's been caught in a sin is, must be there, but by the grace of God go I. And so we go very carefully, we go we go humbly in this ministry of bearing one another's burdens. We go carefully. We must restore carefully, gently, humbly, carefully. Uh, Satan is wily. Sin is enticing. And so we must be careful. We must watch ourselves. We must be accountable. When this ministry of restoring one another, it's men restoring men, women restoring women. Because of the... the the temptations within our flesh, how we have to exercise great caution and care, but it is an absolute necessary ministry that we must be engaged. We cannot ignore this. We cannot discount it. We cannot dismiss it. We must be about this. We, we bear one another's burdens because 
of our common struggle with sin. Our common struggle with sin. There's a second reason why we must bear one another's burdens, and as we bear one another's burdens, because of the unexpected afflictions in life. Because of the unexpected afflictions in life. Look at verse 2 again. It says, carry or bear each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let's just kind of consider the, the, the command there in verse 2. Carry. This isn't a, 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 a suggestion. This isn't a good idea for God's people to be about. This is a command. There's a divine mandate. God is saying, listen, as my people, you have a responsibility. I'm calling you. I'm charging you with this responsibility to carry each other's burdens. Now that word burden uh, speaks of the difficulties that come into the life of a Christian. It refers to that heavy load, a trial, uh, something that is too difficult to carry alone. I like to describe it this way, as back-breaking, soul-crushing trouble. Have you ever experienced that? Back-breaking, soul-crushing trouble. Uh, sometimes it may be a physical circumstance that comes into our lives that we're just unable to go on. We feel like we're overwhelmed, we're, we're buried under, we cannot Continue on. Backbreaking, soul-crushing trouble. Other times, it is uh, something emotional that cripples us. I mean, it's just it, 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 like waves that comes over us. It may be depression or anxiety or fear or uh, resentment or bitterness. Or whatever those emotions, soul-crushing, soul back-breaking trouble that comes into our lives. Now notice the command. Carry each other's burdens. The idea here is that we are to shoulder, we are to lift, we are to lighten this burden. The idea here when the scripture says that we are to carry one another's burdens, uh, it speaks that that we have to somehow become involved in this. This isn't something that we just do at a distance. That we, there is some kind of physical investment that we're giving of ourselves, we're pouring ourselves into this situation. For instance, if I were to have to move a grand piano and you sent me a note on really nice stationery, and said, hey, I hear you're moving a grand piano. I just want you to know how proud of, of you I am. And uh, I'll be praying for you. Right? And there's a heart on the outside of the envelope. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you're proud of me. And I'm glad that you're praying for me. But I'm probably going to be ticked off. Right? Because what do I need? I need somebody to come and shoulder the burden with me. There's a physical investment that, that, that is involved in this idea of carrying someone's burden, right? It may be an hour moving a piano. It may be a week helping a friend recover from an accident. It may be several months of sitting with someone who is grieving the loss of someone who has been dear to them. It may be several years of walking, praying, hoping, struggling 
struggling over the problem, a, a problem in one's life, a, a life-dominating sin, or a wayward child, or maybe trying to help someone overcome the devastation of an unfaithful spouse. But the point is this, is that to carry one another's burdens is we have to become personally involved in someone's life. Martin Luther, uh, the Protestant reformer 500 years ago, said this, that Christians must have strong shoulders and mighty bones. I like that. Christians must have strong shoulders and mighty bones, sturdy enough, that is, to carry the burdens of others. Now notice what the scripture here is saying to us. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, in what way? In the way of how you carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You say, what is the law of Christ? Well, I believe the law of Christ is, is summarized in this new commandment that he gave to us in John chapter 13, verse 34. We looked at that five weeks ago, right? Love one another. The law of Christ is, is given to us in that new commandment that we're to love one another. A few verses earlier in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says that the law is summed up, the entire law is summed up in this, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. To love our neighbors, to bear our, one another's burdens, to fill the, fulfill the law, are three ways of saying the same thing. That it is by bearing one another's burdens that we fulfill what Christ has called us to do. And that is to love one another. The flip side of that is uh, uh, equally true. And that is that when we remain detached, we, become, we remain uninvolved we distance ourselves. We do not fulfill the law of Christ. We do not fulfill the law of Christ. Now think about this idea of bear, bearing one another's burdens and showing us that bearing one, another's brother, bearing one another's burdens is the way that we show the love of Christ. We realize here that when that bearing one of those burdens may not lead us into some heroic act of self-sacrifice and service. Instead, bearing one of those burdens uh, may be much more mundane, unspectacular, yet absolutely unnecessary. Absolutely necessary. It is when we carry the burdens of one another, the back-breaking, soul-crushing troubles that we all struggle with at different times, it is in those moments that we demonstrate the love of Christ. Why do we bear one another's burdens? Because we struggle with sin. Because of our common experience of unexpected afflictions in life, those times when, when we are uh, overwhelmed with the trials and the troubles of life in a fallen world. And they can come in any direction, in any form. Bear one another's burdens third reason why uh, we bear one of those burdens in order to carry what no one else can carry. We, carry. we bear one of those burdens so that we might carry what no one else can carry. Look again, beginning at verse 3. If someone thinks they are something 
When they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Verses 3 and 4 have to do with our attitudes. Verse 5 has to do with our actions. Verse 3, if we think that we're something when we're not. If we go through life with an attitude that, that says, well, <laughs> pity that person. I would never get myself in that kind of situation. What, what were they thinking? <laughs> I would never do that. That would never happen to me. If we, had, if we go through that life with that kind of mentality, thinking that we're somehow above, somehow removed, somehow superior, somehow immune. We're deceiving ourselves, the Bible says. We're deceiving ourselves. Instead, verse 4, the scripture gives to us that third command in this passage, and that is that we are to test our own actions. That is, we're to authenticate, we're to document, we're to certify our own actions. In essence, what the scripture here is saying is that we are to be examining our own lives. We're to be testing our own lives. Instead of comparing ourselves to someone else, we're to examine ourselves. Why? Verse 5, for each one, each one should carry their own load. Older translations will have that verse 5 translated as, for each one shall bear his own burden. So you have to stop and ask the question, what is, which, what is it, Paul? Is it bear one another's burdens or is it carry your own load? I'm confused. Which one is it? The word here for load is different than the word used for burdens in verse 2. The word here is for a cargo, right? Yesterday, Carter and I were watching Financial Peace with Dave Ramsey. And he has this picture of a, uh, of a, of a donkey pulling a cart. And the cart has been overloaded. And the donkey's up in the air, all four feet up in the air, right? Trying to, trying to go on. He can't. It's been overloaded. The point here of this load here is the picture of that there's a load, an appropriate load that each person is to carry, right? You think of the Department of Transportation. They have the weigh scales to make sure that the trucks are not overloaded, that, they're, that the right kind of load is on a truck. Each person is to carry what is appropriate for them. It speaks of personal responsibilities that no one else can carry. Picture is that picture of a backpack, uh, something that you can carry yourself. You must carry for yourself. And the reality is this, that there are responsibilities in life that you and I can, must carry that no one else can carry for us, right? Let me give a couple examples, right? As a husband, no one else can carry the responsibility that God has placed upon me to love, nurture, and care for my wife, Vicki. I, I can't go, man, I'm just overwhelmed. Somebody's going to have to step in and carry that burden. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, right? I have a responsibility to my family. I have to shepherd my family. I have to lead my family. I think young people, right? No one else can step in and say, well, Man, I know you're having a hard time in school. Let me go to school for it, and I'll fill in all the papers. Right? That's your responsibility. You have to carry that. Right? 
But there are those times in life that we become overwhelmed with trouble that being a good husband, being a good student becomes crippling, right? And so what do we do? We come alongside, we lift these burdens so that the load that we're responsible to carry that no one else can carry, we're able to carry that. Does that make sense? When we bear one another's burdens, the backbreaking, soul-crushing troubles of life, we enable others to be able to carry the load, the responsibility they have before the Lord to carry that. Albert Schweitzer got it right when he said, no one should have to carry their burdens alone. There's a story that I read uh, years ago. You've, it's probably been on Facebook before. It's a story of a man who fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. And it goes like this. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Pharisee came by and said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how deep the pit was. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on the pit. An IRS agent wanted to know if the man was paying taxes on the pit. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A fire and brimstone preacher said, you deserve the pit. A Christian scientist said, well, the pit's just in your mind. A psychologist noted, your mother and father are to blame for the pit that you're in. A self-esteem therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of the pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things can't get any worse. Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. Today, Jesus Christ is the burden bearer. The New Testament tells us that Jesus bore his cross and carried it to Calvary. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that Jesus bore our griefs and carried our infirmities. It was there on the cross that he was stretched out and he died and he paid for our sins. And if you're here today, this Memorial Day weekend, and you're still carrying the burden of your sin, I'll take my chance. Hopefully my good deeds will count for something. I don't know if I believe in God. Whatever excuse you might have this morning, I invite you today to come to the burden bearer who has carried our sin far away. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never the, permit the righteous to be moved. He will never permit the righteous to be toppled over. 
Jesus Christ is the burden bearer. We are to cast all of our cares on him. And as our burden bearer, he calls us today to bear one another's burdens. And when we do so, we reflect the likeness and the grace and the gentleness and the strength and the grandeur of our Savior. And so this morning, who are you carrying? Whose burdens are you carrying? Second question, what are you carrying? What are the burdens that you are carrying today? One, take them to Christ. Two, share them with a brother or a sister. Brothers and sisters, let's embrace this call to bear the burdens of one another. Let's pray together. What is the Lord asking you to do this morning? He's calling us to this ministry that we bear one another's burdens. We, and we do so because of our common struggle with sin. We do so because of our unexpected afflictions in life. We do so so that each of us might be able to carry our own personal responsibility. We ask God this morning, will you cast all of your cares on him today? Who is it in your life that you can be a burden bearer to? How will you do that? What burdens do you need to share with others so they can come and alongside of you in this ministry of burden bearing? Father, we bow before you today thankful for your grace and speaking to us today through your word. Uh, we come to you this morning um, as people who are desperately in um, desperately in need of you and your help. Thank you, Father, that you are the one who has said in your word that we are to cast all of our burdens upon you. You care for us. You will not allow the righteous to be toppled. And so we put our trust today in you. And there are times that we feel like our knees are going to begin to buckle. We're beginning to waver. We feel like we're going to be crushed under the load that is upon us. And so we cast that on to you. We I ask, Father, for those this morning who are in that condition, that today we as your children as brothers and sisters of one another through your son Jesus that we would embrace our ministry of bearing one another's burdens that we would come alongside we would lift that load lighten that load so they would be able to go on father I pray for your grace in this matter we ask for your help in the name of Jesus we pray
Amen. Let's stand together. We'll worship the Lord in song.